I want to talk to you on the eyes of thanksgiving. Wow, you are, you, there's eyes of thanksgiving? Well, kind of. Or in another way, I want to talk to you the, the pattern of thanksgiving. So today we're going to talk about the eyes of thanksgiving. Did you know that the way we see things in our life can cause us to ridicule or criticize, criticize uh, uh, or, or hurt or uh, belittle what God has given us? You know, uh, we, we look at people uh, here and sometimes you know, we've all done it, right? We get older, at least I'm getting older. And we look in the mirror and we're like, man, I've gained so much weight. But then I remember when I was a kid living on a refugee camp, I'm like, man, I'm so skinny. Right? It is because we're always looking through the wrong type of eyes. So let's start by reading Psalms. This has been our root verse for the month, and I'm closing out this Thanksgiving theme. And it says, Psalms 92 and 1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. First thing we got to do, we always got to give thanks to the Lord. Because if you want to be good, if you want to feel good, if you want to uh, have goodness in your life, start giving thanks to the Lord. And to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. I want us to look at the book of Genesis. Everybody know how to find that book? It's the very first book of the Bible. And uh, there are, the, we're going to look at the very first chapter of Genesis, which is chapter 1. Okay? <clears throat> the very first chapter of Genesis, chapter 1. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Let the word leap off the pages and into our heart. Help us to see things we've never seen. Help us to understand things we've never understood. Help us to hear things we never heard before. And let us receive it and bear fruit. Guide us today, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 4. Look at what Jesus or God says. Now this is when God created the heavens and earth. We all know this, but I wanted to skip forward. And God saw the light that it was good. What? And God divided the light from the darkness. Let's look at uh, verse 10. Are you ready? And God called the dry land earth. And the gatherings together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. Wow. Okay. Verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass and herb and uh, herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Oh, you got it. There's a pattern here. Verse 18, and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. He's putting the sun and the moon in the heavens. Look at verse 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Oh. Man, y'all are good. And God, and verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made. 
And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, if you look at this, from verse 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, 25, and 31, everything God created, he looked at it and he said, man, that's good. And this got me because the Bible says in the beginning God uh, uh, created the heaven and the earth, right? And the earth was without form and it was void. And God said, let there be light. And, and then he looked at the light and there was no animals, there was no herbs, there was no trees, there was no earth, there was no ground, there was no uh, fish swimming, no birds flying. And he looked at it and he says, wow, that's good. See, what I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, this afternoon is this, is God was giving us a pattern that no matter what the situation, even though there was no grass, there was no land, there was no animals, he still saw that whatever situation it was in, it was still good. He had no structure. There was no man, there was no cows, no tigers, there was no beauty, but all he saw was it was good. Now this will mess you up because my kids asked me, he said, Daddy, if God said let there be light, and light uh, or the sun wasn't created until like the fourth day, then what are the two lights? You ever thought about that? So when God spoke let there be light, it wasn't the sun that he was speaking about. Ah. I'm glad you asked. When he said that the earth was without form and it was void, and God said, let there be light, but the sun and the moon, the sun was the light that we see every day, that on sunrise and sunset, when we see it, it was not created until the fourth day. So when he spoke, let there be light, what was he talking about? And the earth was without form and void. You know what he was speaking about? I am the light of the world. Let there be Jesus. The first thing that everything that is form, uh, without form and void, when things there are in chaos, when things don't take shape, you need to have Jesus in that chaos. Oh, y'all don't hear me. You don't get this kind of teaching anywhere. Most of the time is... When you have things that are without structure, why don't you let the light of this world with his Jesus come in? Why don't you let that wisdom come in and begin to form and shape the things that then eventually it will be able to be touched and you can be able to walk on it. You can be able to be blessed on it. But until that light come into your life, you are still walking in darkness and you are without form and you are void of the purpose and the plan of God. Oh, so that light, what he was speaking about was the light, which is Christ, which is wisdom, which is understanding. When Jesus came upon this earth, I am the light of the world. He that walks after me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light 
of life. What is he trying to say is in the very beginning, when the earth was well formed and void, when in the very beginning, before we accepted Jesus, uh, we were without form and we were void. Void of what? Void of purpose. Void of direction. Void of hope. Void of peace. So when Jesus came in and God says, let there be light, let there be Jesus in us, now we start having structure in our life. We know what it means uh, to live a life of peace and joy and hope and love and grace and when we are void in our marriage and we don't know what to do God says let me speak into your life and now you know how to live within the framework of marriage oh and he says let there be light but Lord there's no earth you know has anybody ever been into a situation have we been thankful because you're in the midst of, Lord, but how can I say this is good and I don't see anything? The earth was without form and it was void. And he said, let there be light. And he looked at the light and he said, it was good. Where's my water? Uh, it was good. See, how we see things affects us and how our eyes of thanksgiving, we need to be given and say, look, God, uh, we are thankful because our eyes see differently than what other things that we should be looking at. We should not be using the eyes of our flesh and say, man, that ain't no good. I knew it had failed. You ever hear people? Thank you. You ever hear people say it like that? He said, you know what? You, you hear this all the time. Everybody that, that opens a business, it fails. Really? But yet the same man opened a business of the same type and it succeed. But then we walk around and say, I knew it. You'd, you'd fail. Why? Because our eyes are not connected to the light of God. Our eyes begin to cause what becomes a blessing to see it as a curse. And so God has given us a pattern. The first thing is when you have no sense of purpose and there's no direction, there's no tail, there's no head, there's no body, what do you do? You let Jesus come in and say, God, let the light of Christ come in. Because when you come in, you start taking things into form. So once you have the word of God in you, thank you, Lord, I got the word. But what you're going to do, all you got is the word, but it's good. You see, how we see things affects us. So the eyes of thanksgiving has to operate. And look at verse 10. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called the sea. And God saw that, it was good. Lord, it's just dirt. There's no trees. Nothing. I remember being in the corn country of this, this nation in central Illinois, and they had just gotten all the corn out of the fields. It's just all you see is miles and acres and miles and miles and acres of just dirt. And the farmer would be out there in spring. He said, oh, this is good. It's going to be a good year. You got dirt, man. How does he know? It's because for me, I see dirt, but for him, he sees harvest. Oh, brothers and sisters, you've got to change and have the eyes of thanksgiving. Lord, how can it be just earth, uh, uh, dirt and water, and you're being thankful? Maybe that's in our life that you're like, Lord, I don't have anything. It's barren. There was no trees. There was no grass. It's just dirt. 
It's just water. There's nothing. And the Lord stepped back. God stepped back. He said, oh, that's good. <laughs> that, that's good. I, I can imagine a farmer standing in front of all his acres of, of land, and, and there, there's nothing out there. It's just dirt. And he looks at it and goes, oh, this year is going to be a good year. See, our eyes uh, uh, of thanksgiving would change us because God himself looked. And the Bible didn't say that he, he, uh, uh, he said that he looked and he said it was good. He didn't have anybody else. The Holy Spirit didn't say, God, Father, you know. No, he saw it and he said it's good. You know why it was good? Because he was involved. Anytime the light of God's word, anytime Jesus is the light of the world, anytime God gets involved in your life, it becomes good. It might not have any form. It might just be dirt. It might just be water. It's just barren. But if God's light is in you, it's going to be good. That's the eye. Stop looking at the negative. Oh, it's just dirt. Stop looking at the barrenness and start looking at the dirt and say, out of that dirt, God created man. And if he can use dirt to create man, what can he do with other things in your life? Oh. And look at verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass and herb and yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Now you start seeing a garden. And as a farmer, you, oh, it's getting good now. It's getting good. What are you talking about, man? You can't even eat it yet. Don't worry. It's coming. You know, sometimes we, we look and I hear young couples, I hear people tell me like this, that I don't want to get married, Pastor, because I see that 52% of marriages uh, end up in divorce. I said, well, stop looking at the 52 that is ended up in divorce and start looking at the 48 or 49 that's working. Okay? Start looking at that. I don't look at rock and say, hey, honey, we've been married 20 plus years. I don't know. We're going to end up in the 52. We're not ending up on 52. We're ending up in the ones that God wanted because we speak life. Because if God's light is in our marriage, then it's going to stand strong. But you know, Pastor, you're getting older and, and, and you know how it is. And? We know Bishop uh, Dr. Rex, who's been married like 60 plus years. With the same woman, been married one time. It was enough for him. Take that however you like. He's probably watching. And to rule over the day and over the night. This, in verse 18 he, uh, and 17, he was making the planets. And he was making the sun and the stars. And he said, to rule the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And now there are uh, celestial uh, uh, planets around and, and things that are beginning uh, to, to shine. You know what? Uh, when we look at our Christmas tree and we see Christmas lights twinkling, guess where that idea came from? God invented it first. <laughs> we look at the stars and they're twinkling. Where you, hey, some man said, oh, I'm going to make Christmas lights twinkle. Just like the stars. God created it first. Just because he wanted to. 
You see, how we look at things from the eyes of thanksgiving, we can look at either dirt and barrenness, or we can say, God, you're involved. This dirt is going to start growing plants, and there's going to be trees. I'm going to be fruitful, and I am going to have the eyes of thanksgiving. I don't look at our church, no matter the membership. I look at it and says, God, these are your people. There are millions of people that can grow from them. Could you imagine when Billy Graham, who is now with the Lord, he went to a country church and got saved, and the night that he came, was a, 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 hardly anybody was there, but I can imagine that pastor saying, well, there ain't nobody here, I'm just going to, I'm not even going to preach hardly, I'm just going to say, uh, say a prayer and not pray for anybody, but no, but this little boy named Billy Graham came and gave his life to the Lord, and he didn't know that from him, a billion people would come to know Christ. A billion what from one person? I don't look at it like that. I look at it that God, it doesn't matter because God made the oak tree one time. Yes. One time he made the oak tree. And in itself, it recreated more oak trees. God made the orange tree one time. Yes. And so in you, and in your neighbor sitting next to you, there are, God has created you that you can replicate and replenish the earth. That you are in you are nations and in you are gifts that God has built you one time. God didn't make the oak tree twice. He made it once. God didn't make Adam twice. He made it one time. That's why he couldn't kill everybody and he had to keep Noah. Because he knew that from Noah, there would be millions and billions and hundreds of millions of people. Look at verse 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moves, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and after winged fowl and after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Now we start seeing life from a place of God saying, if you would just let the light of Christ come into your life. And the things that are formed without void, no head, no tail, now becomes a place where now people would say, oh, you just dirt. It's just plain. What are you going to do with dirt? But out of that dirt, God begins to put grass and herbs and trees, and he creates it one time. And now we see all of a sudden out of that same water, people say, that's just water. You ever have people say, what do you want, just, just water? You ever been to a restaurant and say, you just want water? Yes, I just want water. See, we, we look at the things that God created, and we look at our life that God has put, and we look at it, and we think it is nothing. But to God, that dirt brings life. To God, that dirt brings life. Look at, he didn't say that from himself brought the fish. He said where? And the beast, he said that, and the great whales he created, every living, which the waters brought forth abundantly. Oh, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, it might be just dirt to you, but from that dirt of your life, from that dirt that everybody just walks over and looks little, but from that very dirt, the, the lowest of low that people step on, from that dirt could be trees that could keep people alive. Huh? From that water where people would just overlook it and see it. But from that water and that place that nobody pays any mind and takes it for granted. From Maybe you've been taken for granted. Maybe you think that God has passed you up. But from that place of barrenness and nothing, God can produce things that sustains people. He made the whale one time. 
He made the dolphins one time. And from that place, guess what? There would never be another person like you. They might look like you, but not really. My children might look like me, but they're not me. And so if I'm called to replenish, and then that light that's spoken to me, then I'm supposed to share what God has given me so that it can sustain you. And maybe you don't think anything of this piece of dirt, but God thought it enough to bless this piece of dirt with the life-giving ability to speak the word of truth into thousands of people. And God saw the beasts of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creep upon the earth after his kind. And God saw it and it was good. Oh, brothers and sisters, get our eyes of thanksgiving and see what's good in your life. Stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at that dirt field out there like the farmer and say, oh, this is going to be good. People might not look at this dirt field like anything, but this is a moneymaker right here. You know, I was in central uh, uh, um, California where, you know, the, what they call the Central Valley. It's actually between, right smack in the middle of California. On one side is like the desert and mountains. On the other side is like mountains and it's the ocean. And right in the middle, if you look at any map, you see this green strip right down the middle of California. And guess what? That there is one company there. And there's a couple of them, but there's just one particular company there that produces 40% of the world, not the U.S., of the world's tomato paste. 40% of the world's tomato paste comes right out of that place in central California. So the pizza you eaten and the ketchup you put on your fries and your burgers come out of probably that place. And you think about it, and most people would drive, and I was there, and they had harvested everything. I'm like, that's just dirt, man. I know, but to a tomato farmer, that's money. And see, to your life, what you have, you might think it's nothing. Maybe your gift is nothing to you. Maybe people look it for granted, but in you, God says, that's money. God has said that's blessing. God has said that's talent. God says that's life. That you have to be able to access it and get into a place where God can allow you to be accessed. Oh, that's good. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. On the sixth day, God created man. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this. And you know why? Is the Bible says this. It says that when God created everything, the light, when he spoke, he said, okay, I have spoken now the light of the world. I have spoken wisdom into this deformed place. Now there's, there's the land, and now there's the uh, water. Now there is herbs on the earth, and now there's animals that's running on the earth. Now there's fish in the ocean. Now there's birds in the atmosphere that's flying around. And the Bible says that God cre wanted to create man because there is no man to till the earth. Now I want to give you this revelation. You ready? There's nobody to till the earth, right? And I thought to myself, hold up now. This is the Garden of Eden. There's no weeds. There's no grass that's taken over. You know, anybody here have a lawn? You got to cut that grass and you got to trim it, right? If you don't trim it, it starts going all over the place. I say, well, this is the Garden of Eden. It's perfect. But yet God says that because there's no man, the mist of the ground starts coming up and there's no man to till the ground. 
Now listen. If Adam came from the earth, God brought him from the earth and from that earth, that's why his life is connected to the earth, right? And so what about you? You might have all those gifts and you might have all the things that God put in you, but you need another man to till you. Oh. That's why you have to have leaders in your life to pull it out of you. That's why you have to have leaders uh, to remove it out of you. That's why you have to have leaders to, to make sure that uh, uh, you're not overgrowing your ability. That's why you see the, the orange farmers out there, they're always trimming the tree. And I, I remember my mom said, son, you got to trim that great, grapefruit because the, when you trim it every year, it'll produce more. What? You're like, just leave it alone. No. Anybody here has ever grown anything? It's amazing that when you cut some off, more stuff would grow. And so because there was no man to till the ground, God had to create a man because you have a gift and God has put life in you. And from that place of you, now God has given you a man of God or a woman of God to come and begin to till your ground so that he can take what he has put in you to use to help feed other people. Stop looking at the barren land. Stop looking at things and start criticizing. You started looking like a farmer, looking at his field. Oh, it's in the middle of fall. It's in the middle of winter. All I see is just dirt. All I see is just snow. But when springtime comes, there's money. There's blessing. This corn, this tomato, this, this orange tree, it's going to bless people from around the world. 40% of the world's tomato paste comes from that one place. And that was only one company. There are other companies. There's like four or five other companies that actually feed the world with tomato paste. We wouldn't have pizza uh, uh, if, if they weren't producing. My kids couldn't have ketchup for their fries if they weren't producing. And so, brothers and sisters, what is it in you that uh, has that would God allow God to till out of you that would bless other people? Why are you holding on to it? Why are, you, uh, why are you allowing people to hold you back? Oh. Why are you allowing the enemy to instill in you hate or bitterness or resentment or, or, or things that cause you to feel kind of strange? So what? Don't allow another person to stop you from blessing what God has given you. See, that's why I don't have this understanding. It's hard for me to understand that people would walk away from blessed places that God has blessed them because they don't feel comfortable. Sometimes pruning is not comfortable, but we have to have the eyes of thanksgiving. When we have the eyes of thanksgiving and say, you know what? It doesn't matter what my family say. It doesn't matter what my friends say. This is where God has told me, and this is where I'm going to get tilled, and when I get tilled, God's going to use me to bless many people and it shouldn't matter how many it shouldn't matter how it should what it matters is God use me you know most of my Christian walk I came from a very a pretty relatively small church you know my pastors Dr. Jane Sharon didn't really have a church more than 300 at the most at one time and yet, through the years of being faithful there, they were able to till this ground who had some things in my life that needed to get out. But if I wasn't standing there and allowing 
God's man to till things in my life, I wouldn't be able to be blessing people from all over the world. I've traveled over the nations and preached the gospel. Come on, y'all. This is a, little, a boy that if I told you the city I was born, you, you don't even know where that is unless you're my people. And yet it's, and, and I got a funny name. It's not like my name is John. People, when I tell people my name, they always ask me, huh? What, how'd you say that? And yet still travel the world's preaching because there's life. I'm going to ask you this question. Are, are your eyes of thanksgiving on the things that God has blessed you with? Or is it the eyes of criticism? Or is it saying the eyes of like, uh, or the eyes of saying uh, uh, hurt? Or are you seeing pain? Are you seeing work? Are you seeing hurt? Are your eyes seeing uh, a people more than what God has blessed you? You know, you shouldn't allow the enemy or other people to stop you from what God has given you. See, I refuse to live my life based on what people think of me. I only want to live my life on what God has called me and what he thinks of me. Because the minute that we start thinking, say, well, what would they say, And Say, I'm not worried about what they can say. I'm worried about saying, son, are you, have you done what I asked you to do? And that's what my biggest fear is. Lord, I don't want to waste this talent. I don't want to waste what you have grown in me. I don't want this piece of dirt, you know, that you have blown your spirit upon and be wasted because somebody doesn't like me. Well, I can't help that. What I can help is keep my mind focused and have blinders on and be focused on what God has done. Don't allow a person to stop you from receiving and stop you from being tilled. And drawing you out. Where are your eyes? Where are your eyes this Thanksgiving holiday? Most people can say, well, my heart of Thanksgiving, they can speak it. Um, but you can say stuff, but your eyes might look at other stuff. Isn't that true? You know, it's just like a, a person. They can sit there and say anything, but their eyes are looking at something else. And the eyes is the windows to our heart, to our soul. And, and, and you know what? I, I want to be able to look at the goodness in people. You know, I was telling my wife this morning, and we were with a couple because I, I had to go and preach at another church this morning. Down there off of Highway 6 in Bel Air, if you know where that is. My friend, Pastor Manito, and his daughter-in-law is going to be here next week. So y'all come. <clears throat> Audrey and her husband, Nim. I was talking to my wife and I was talking to them. I said, I don't want to live my life looking, listen, looking for people to offend me. You know, you, you, have, you meet people like that, they're always looking. He goes, oh, uh, they're always looking for hurt. They're always looking for somebody to hurt them. They're always looking for, no, get your eyes on Thanksgiving and say, God, you know what? And all things work together for good for those that are called according to his purpose. Lord, I have a purpose. I don't want to live hurt. I don't want to live offended. I don't want everything that people say or do would offend me. Because at your table, everybody has a seat. Yes. And that's who we are. And that's who I want to be. Because every, God's table, everybody has a seat. I'm sure that I've offended God in so many ways. I'm probably twice on Sundays. 
But you know what? I'm glad that his eyes upon me and say, that's my boy. I called him. I knew him when he was yet in his mother's womb. And I put the words uh, of my scriptures in his heart. You know what? Uh, I looked down at my daughter and said, I put this music in her. I look down at my other son. I put music in him and, and instruments and song. And, and I don't see. And people say, oh, how can you use that boy? How can you use that woman? How you can use that girl? But see, God's eyes of thanksgiving doesn't see that. He can look at that piece of dirt and say, oh, you might, not be, you might be dirt to other people. And there is nothing growing on you. But when I get there God's eyes is on his people in a whole different way than what we do where's our eyes you know we often talk about don't let your eyes deceive you don't let your eyes uh, uh, get us uh, in trouble looking at things we shouldn't no you know what the eyes is to the gate. But what we should do is there's nothing we can do about our eyes looking. Hello. I never look at the women when they go to the mall. I said, did you buy anything? My, my wife, I, honey, did you buy anything? No. I said, what'd you do? I said, well, went window shopping. You're shopping for windows? <laughs> no, honey. I was just looking through the windows at the store. I said, really? Yeah, did you find things you like? Yeah, did you buy? He goes, no. Well, I just enjoy looking. You see, our eyes, you can't help but look, but what you can help is see what you see and begin to speak that it's good. Begin, that's the eyes of thanksgiving. The eyes of thanksgiving is looking at the same situation. Someone else sees dirt, but you see growth. You see life. You see hope. You see God can use this person. You know, it's, I have a... <clears throat> A family member that's in the jewelry business. And you know, I imagine, I remember meeting this man that is a diamond cutter. You know, I don't know if you ever met a diamond cutter, but I met <clears throat> these men through my brother-in-law. And, and what I imagine is they take this piece of rock, and if I were to give you a, a, a diamond that's rough, you look at him like, ooh, you know, it's just a diamond. That's precious, right? It's just like rough, and they're digging it out of the ground. And you look at it, and if, I, if you had a bunch of rocks, and you threw that rock in there, and be like, that's just another rock. True. But then to the eyes of the master that can take that rock, and he look at it, and other people see it's just rough around the edges, and it, it looks weird, and who would put that thing on their finger? But this man began to look in his mind and begin to put structure around it and begin to trim off the rough edges and begin to make things uh, beautiful, and you and I would go to the jewelry store and pay thousands of dollars for a piece of something that just came out of the ground. Think about that for a minute. Don't allow people to determine what God is willing to make out of your life, your situation. Let us stand.